everyone. Uh, this is Lori LeBay, your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I hope life is treating you well. Before we get started today, um, a lot of times we get new listeners, and so I always like to let them know, you know, a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks. And basically, we're an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge, And just having these everyday conversations like we're going to have today, we're going to be able to remove the fear and stigma attached to memory loss and help people continue to live purpose-filled lives. Together, I know we can help everyone understand the true needs of this disease. And today, we we have just a really a special guest with us who has done an exceptional new film that is going to really help change the stigmas and get people thinking about what are their perceptions and what are their feelings when this disease knocks at the door. I also have to, before I go and introduce him, I I just have to thank our audience for um, all of your clicks and likes. Um, It has really helped a lot. Excuse me, I've got a cold (coughs) and a tickle in my voice all of a sudden. Um, But your clicks and likes have gotten us to be the number one influencer online, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And so, again, I just have to thank you each for taking that that time um, to share our content, be it uh, the radio show, the blog, the webinar, the resource directory, um, whatever it might be that we're pushing out. Um, it makes a huge difference because our spheres, each of our own spheres, there are a lot of people dealing with this disease that we don't even know because they're afraid to talk about it. And we need to get that conversation going. So the more information we can push out there, the easier it will be for them to reach out and grab it when they need it. I'd also like to encourage any of our listeners um, to be a guest on our show. Maybe you've got a story of your own that you'd like to share. We would love to hear it. You can be a person living with uh, a diagnosis Maybe you're a family caregiver, maybe you're a business professional, maybe you're a movie director like we have on today or an author who we just had on uh, or a researcher um, or just an advocate. All of us are kind of just these little teeny pieces, but when we work together, we make a miraculous difference together. Um, So again, really excited about our, our guest today, who is Roberto Carlo Chiesa, and he is an award-winning creative director um, and a filmmaker and a writer with Alexandria Perrin Company. Uh, Roberto has also produced and written and directed several children's films for educational film market um, to include the HarperCollins books, uh, William Dahl, and The New Friends by Charlotte Zilotto. Um, He also wrote and directed um, Generations, a film about bridging the generation gap between the old and the young and the snail and a friend, which deals with human kindness for all living things. Roberto has worked 
on public outreach events with senior living and memory care facilities traveling throughout the country for speaking engagement where his film that we're going to talk about today, Inside My Being, was shown. Um, the first time I saw this film, uh, I was so incredibly touched. I had to reach out to him right away and say, I, I have to have you on the show. Um, this film has to get out because it is so powerful. And I've watched it several times myself and shared it with others. And I just shared it with a, a friend um, in the studio here. And we both just got teary-eyed immediately on the first scene because it's just such a powerful film. And so I'm really excited to have you with us, Roberto. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I thank you for being uh, for allowing me to be on the program. It's an honor. Well, it's a, it's an honor to have you with us because this is a, you know, this film is very different. Um, it's not your typical film in in what people expect. So, um, why don't you start out with telling us um, who or and what inspired you to make this film inside my being? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. <clears throat> Basically, it was my sister, uh, Alma Chiesa, who uh, uh, got Alzheimer's uh, about five years ago, uh, six years ago. And uh, it was it was a, a real journey that I went through with her. I didn't realize that she even had Alzheimer's. I was her caretaker through this whole thing, but I didn't realize uh, Alzheimer's was taking place for quite some time. Little things were occurring that uh, weren't quite normal, but I, I didn't pay any attention to them. And so when I went over to her, her home, um, I, I was raising two little girls at, the, at that time uh, by myself, uh, had some help, but mainly by myself. And we would go over there and uh, we would have a wonderful spaghetti dinner on Friday nights. She'd cook spaghetti. One night when uh, we were there, uh, I, uh, I was talking with her, and uh, she, uh, I was doodling on paper, and uh, just doodling, and she came up to me, and she said, uh, why are you making fun of my notes? And uh, I didn't think too much, I thought, I'm not making fun of your notes, why do you say that? She said, well, you're drawing it on paper, and that, uh, you're making fun of my nose. I don't like it, and that's not my sister. Uh, that was not her. And I said, no, I'm not. Stop it, you know, laughingly. Mm -hmm. And then she did, you know, and went away. Um, no problem. <clears throat> My sister, let me give you a, 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 a brief example. She, she sang opera. She loved classical music. Uh, she studied opera. Uh, she uh, uh, managed a doctor's uh, uh, office before her retirement. And she was a, a very, very bright outgoing person <clears throat> and so when she retired uh, uh, she moved into the same town I live in uh, which is Modesto California previously she had lived in San Francisco so anyway when she was there um, of course she loved the, the uh, my, my daughters both I have two little girls and we would go over and be with her so she would cook this spaghetti dinner every Friday night it was became traditional to, to do that and as time went on, all these things were happening that I wasn't quite aware of, but they were subtle, and I, and I really did not understand them at the time, uh, such as the drawing, and, and she thought I was making fun of her nose. 
as time went on, uh, I did uh, begin to notice uh, little little reactions from her. She would get irritated a lot when she never used to do that, um, and and then uh, wonder you know where I was going. Uh, she would ask questions, but the big one, the big the big knockout punch for me was um, she would have her hair done uh, once a month. She would drive herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know she 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 had her license. She would drive. Well, I got a call from uh, here in Modesto. It was the uh, uh, MID, it was Modesto Irrigation uh, District Office. And there was a lady on the line who said, are you Robert, uh, Roberto Chiesa? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, well, we have someone here that says uh, she's your sister, and she seems to be lost. And I said, okay, and could you please come down? So I did. I immediately I went down, and it was my sister sitting there, and she said, you know, uh, I don't know what happened. She said, I was looking for the hairdresser, and I just couldn't find it. I, I didn't know what to do. I thought this was the hairdresser. So she went through this whole story about, you know, this being the hairdresser, and then she realized it wasn't. Well, I, uh, I drove her home and then had the car brought back in, uh, her car brought back in, and, and I knew now there was something really wrong and of course then I started thinking with all the little things that happened could this be Alzheimer's and we went uh, we went to the doctors and they did uh, uh, they checked her and uh, he pretty much said it looks like this may be you know Alzheimer's so now I had a situation where uh, she was driving a car and I knew that she really couldn't do this anymore and I had to get into the point of, of uh, letting her know that she couldn't drive. And, of course, she was irritated over that. But all this time, uh, also, there were things going on that was just uh, uh, very, very strange. Uh, she would get into her car. She'd find a key that she had to get into her car and back it out and hit a post. Uh, and it was just uh, it was just going nowhere except downhill. Well, to make a long story short, it just got worse and worse and worse. And we would have discussions, and she would say to me, I'm so scared. I don't know what's going on. Uh, she would call me Bob. I don't know what's going on, Bob. I just don't know, and I'm so scared. Well, it was very, very difficult, and I knew now that I had, I was her caregiver. Uh, I had to take care of my sister, and I did. So that made it really difficult. Uh, there are things that you have to do that, you have to do she had to go to the bathroom I had to help her with the bathroom you know and sometimes she wouldn't make it to the bathroom uh, she would see she she would tell me about people that she would see and her, her you know our mother that would appear to her uh, things got really difficult and then I uh, I had a fiance that uh, came into the picture and uh, I asked her if she could please help me it was really difficult for me to, to, to do this, but I wasn't going to give up, but I needed help. Mm-hmm. And she did. She helped, and it was, it was a godsend because uh, she did things that it was difficult for me to do. And she came in and pitched in and helped. But it got to the point where uh, she could not be by herself any longer. We could not stay there with her, of course. And so <clears throat> I had to find a facility. And that was a, uh, uh, you know, a, um, a trip in itself. I had to find a facility that I felt 
comfortable with and that I felt that she would uh, be comfortable in. And so we did a research on, on a lot of facilities in our area and I finally found one that uh, I felt good about. And it was not just about taking good care of my sister. It was about that I could have good communication with them as well, that we were on the same page and that I could work with them and that they would listen to me. And so I found one that I felt would do that. And I was I was correct in in, in uh, picking the one that I that I chose. So I moved my sister into the facility, and uh, she didn't know where she was. But I moved as much of the furniture in her home that I could uh, into the into her room, which wasn't wasn't a big room, but it made it comfortable. And the big thing was her cat. She loved her cat, Nosy, and I was able to. Uh, let her have that the facility was able to say sure we'll take her cat and they did and nosy was a big help <clears throat> so as time went on i would visit my sister every day uh do the best i i could with her and um it finally got to the point where she was declining and declining rapidly and i knew what the outcome was going to be but towards the end and this is this is how i uh, came about to make the film inside my being. Towards the end, when all was lost, I mean, if you if you would have seen my sister at that point in time, uh, lost tremendous weight, uh, would not eat anymore. All she did was stare. But when I touched her hand, when I caressed her face, when I looked into her eyes and I said, Al, Alma, I love you. Know that I love you, Alma. Her eyes would look at me, a little smile would crack on her on her lips, and I knew that she knew who I was. I was making a connection with her, and nobody can ever, ever tell me that the, the, that a, a, an Alzheimer's patient is totally lost because I was touching her heart, and I was touching her soul, and she was touching my heart and my soul as well, and that's where the connection was made. And this went on until she died. And so with that, I, I said to myself, this is, this is something too powerful for me to just let it go. And so I made a film. And, and, uh, and I did it not for any other reason than to do it and show some friends of mine who were going through some, some pretty difficult times uh, with, with uh, their parents uh, having Alzheimer's. Well, here's and I told them here's what I went through, uh, and I made the film to to, to show them. And the film was uh, was also seen by the facility where my sister was located. When they saw the film, they said, "This is a very powerful film. We would like for you to, um, if you could, um, go to the different communities throughout the country, speak about the film, talk about your journey with your sister. Would you be able to do that?" And with my work, I said, if I can, if I can fit it in, I'd be happy to do that. And I did. I did. <clears throat> it was rewarding for me to do that. What I found that is when I went on these uh, uh, different speaking engagements in, in different communities, they would hold a, uh, an event. Uh, they would promote the film, and but I was on. Sometimes I was on um, with uh, uh, neurologists, uh, uh, psychiatrists. Uh, doctors um, that uh, were, were studying Alzheimer's. And so 
the audience, once once the uh, uh, program was over, I, and I would show my film and I would speak about uh, uh, my journey, but once the program was over, the audience would ask a lot of questions. They would ask the doctors, neurologists, uh, questions regarding medications. My husband is taking this kind of medication. What do you think? What's going on in the research? You know, what kind of hope do we have? And, of course, they would answer them. And as we know, there is no cure for Alzheimer's, but they're working on it. And hopefully that will happen. When it came to my film, it was a whole different story. When it came to my film, it did something for for the audience that touched their heart and touched their soul. I keep on using heart and soul because that's what it's all about. And they would tell me, what you've done with the film is that we understand a little bit more now that perhaps there is life in there. There is nothing is uh, uh, has deteriorated to the point where um, you know nothing happens anymore. And they went back. Uh, many of them would uh, contact me later and said, "Yes, I, I did. I did what I saw in the film, and I did see some response from my husband. I did. He did smile. He did touch my face. And so." You know, if the film can do that, Lori, if the film can do that, what a reward. What a reward that is for me to know that I've done something, not only for myself, but hopefully for uh, a lot of other people as well. Uh, and that's where I'm at with the film. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful film. I feel, I feel honored that I was able to do that. But, of course, the inspiration came from one person, and that was my sister. So, Roberto, um, okay, so we, we understand that, you know, your sister was really the inspiration. But, you know, this film is done a little bit different because we see two people, uh, a mother and a daughter, it appears, um, talking about one another um, in terms of what's going on in their head, not what they're voicing to one another, but just what their thoughts are. How did mm-hmm. you come up with that concept? Because I just thought that was brilliant. How much is what? How, how did you come up with that concept to take the storyline and instead of just having okay. it you know, scripted yeah. in terms yeah. of conversation that we normally see in a film, but right. instead it was really this unconscious thought right. You right. Know, of what's going on? Yeah, and the reason uh, uh, behind that is that I believe if my sister was able to speak, this is what she would be saying. And so I used what I felt her mind was thinking because I could see her eyes in her eyes that she was saying something to me. She was talking to me. And I interpreted that uh, in the film by utilizing, you know, the, the, the uh, voiceover that you heard. And so if she was able to talk, I believe that my sister would say this to me, uh, you know, how she felt and, 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 and get this message across to me. So that's how I interpreted that and put it into the film. I think uh, a, a note uh, that I'd like to talk about is that the, I had two people in the film. Uh, one was an elderly lady. Uh, she was my sister's roommate at the facility. She had Alzheimer's, late stages of Alzheimer's. And when I decided to make this film, um, I, uh, I spoke with the facility, and they said, yes, you can, you can work with her. But I had a connection with her, too. And so it was, um, it was interesting um, 
in making the film because I would work uh, with her, and she would pretty much understand what I was saying. And then sometimes she would just stop, do nothing, and 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 say nothing. And I would have to wait, and I have to work with her. And then she came back again, and and uh, did what I asked her to do. It's pretty amazing. The uh, the other uh, young lady uh, that played her daughter was an actress. She's she's someone in here that uh, in in Modesto that does a lot of acting, and she's in a lot of different uh, programs and shows. An excellent, uh, excellent actress, Jenny Abbott. So uh, it was it was uh, a lot of people don't understand that you know this woman that I used in the film that I worked with in the film is an Alzheimer's patient. My, she was my sister's roommate. She uh, and and I kept on um, t- I kept in touch with her all the time. She passed away uh, a couple of years ago, but until then I I stayed with her as well. Arlene Healy is her name. And uh, a wonderful lady. And I think uh, her daughter would tell me, she said, I think the fact that you did this with her uh, and brought her into the picture and talked with her, uh, this lifted her spirit. Somehow she came alive because before that, she wasn't. Mm -hmm. But during that, she was. Well, it was interesting to me because the the woman, um, you said her name was Arlene? Uh-huh. Um, Healy. Yeah, she looks so much like a woman who was at my mom's nursing home. It was it's almost inc- uncanny in some ways and it was mm-hmm. um and the eyes yeah. Yeah. The, the eyes of this woman and I remember one person asking me one time if if there was only one person you could speak to, who would it be? And I actually picked that woman that that was at my mom's nursing home because mm-hmm. she had these incredible eyes and Mm-hmm. I could tell she was picking up on everything that was going on, but she just mm-hmm. couldn't communicate. And I just wanted to know what was going on inside her mind. And um, right. and right. so that just really, really touched me. And so then when I saw the film and listening to her words, you know, about... About you know, that, the memories for you. Yeah. And, you know, how she's she's trying to help, but she knows mm-hmm. she's not when she's putting the towel in the oven. and Right. You know, that right. she's wearing diapers now and that you're right. looking at me differently and, you know, just right. all of those things that that happened yeah. that they're taking in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so many times um, people around them just ignore the possibility that they still have the skill set to be able they to do. take things in. Yeah, they do. And, and I have to, again, you know, go back to my sister and and what I went through with her and, and what I believe in with her is that I believe that she, uh, if she, if she could speak, you know, she would say what I what, what I uh, said in the film, um, you know, I, I can't be me anymore, you know, but love me, you know, don't leave me, I'm going through a struggle right now, and 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 you know this is difficult for me, a lot more difficult than you can ever think. I would look at my sister, and I could feel that from her. Mm-hmm. I really could. And so this is, you know, this went into the film. This this is why I put what I put into that film. This is why uh, what you hear in the film is what I believe she would really say. And I think when she lo- when she looked at me, she couldn't speak anymore. I think this is what she was thinking, and and and, and everything that I was doing with her. Uh, inside her heart, inside her soul, she was talking back to me. I felt it. Mm-hmm. And so felt it enough to make the film. 
Yeah, it's it's absolutely um, a, a beautiful, beautiful film. And like I said, even when I was watching this with a friend just three minutes in, we're both teary-eyed and yeah. going, we can't even believe that there's, you know, 15 more minutes of this film because it's so... Yeah. It's just so powerful, you know, yeah. these words. And then you have you have this daughter looking at her mom thinking, what are you going to be like tomorrow or, exactly. or later on? Exactly. You know, yeah. how's that going to be? And, and everybody who has dealt with this disease has had those conversations, who has had those thoughts, yes. and, um, yeah. you know, repeatedly. That's exactly what I was thinking uh, when you, uh, that, that one part where the daughter says, uh, you know, what are you going to be like tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What are you going to be like tomorrow? That went through my head so many times as my sister was progressing deeper into the night. And I call it the night in the film uh, because to me it was, it was a fog deeper into the night. You know, she was, she was going, and there were times uh, and if you remember in the film where she goes, God, you know, uh, do I have to, uh, there was some normalcy just for a moment, but then it came back again and she would lose it. And, and in the film, she says, God, do I have to go back to this again? Uh, that hurts, mm-hmm. but it's very powerful also because my sister went through this, uh, especially in the early stages, you know, she would, she would, uh, uh go through all these different uh, feelings and express them to me, and all that compiled is you know is into the film, uh, in, in the way I put it together. But it is sad. There's there's no doubt about it. It is sad. But one uh, you know it, one of the areas is that uh, the the heart and the soul for me and for my sister uh, was I felt was alive was alive and well, mm-hmm. and uh, I was able to touch it. And I'll never, ever forget that. And anybody that ever tells me, well, you know, my father has Alzheimer's, my my grandmother has Alzheimer's, I can't reach her, you know, but, you know, I'm with her. And and I saw this actually happen in some of the facilities where people are with the person, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're with them. And 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 to me that there is so much more if if they allow themselves to to touch to be genuine with, with their words, to smile, um, they can reach them. I, I reached my sister. I feel that there's a possibility that other people can reach their loved ones as well. You've just got to be genuine. You've got to certainly love them, uh, touch their hand, caress their face, tell them that you love them, uh, and you might be surprised what happens. Mm-hmm. It might just be a smile. <laughs> Sometimes... The unspoken word is the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I, I totally agree. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, now, you had mentioned that you kind of went on tour, you know, with this um, community that your uh-huh. sister lived at. Are you comfortable saying which community at all? And I, I'm interested in, you know, what was the um, what was their response from the from the audience after after doing the tour with the film. Oh, sure. Well, the facility was Seasons. It's called Seasons mm-hmm. uh, in Modesto. And um, I went, uh, uh, they, they set these uh, different areas up for me to go to. Uh, and, and the response from the audience, as I say, was, was, uh, was always, I mean, you could hear a pin drop when the film was playing. 
uh, and it was uh, it, it was very moving, very emotional. Um, some people had a hard time with it. There were people that did have a hard time because I would think I was the film was hitting really close to home. They they had uh, a, a loved one that was that had either passed away because of this, or sometimes I think it touched people that might have had a, a difficult relationship uh, with their loved one. And they see a film of this nature, and they say, "Gee, maybe if I would have, maybe, maybe if I would have done this, maybe if I would have said that," uh, because this is what I heard later. Um, and, and so it was difficult for them. But the response from the audience um, was, was was a beautiful response. And like I say, they would come up to me and talk to me about the emotional impact that it left on them, and that uh, they. Some of them didn't really realize that maybe, just maybe, that they could reach into their uh, into their heart and into their soul by touching their hand mm-hmm. or or rubbing their face. Uh, I call it caressing and uh, telling them that uh, how you feel and that you love them. Uh, it worked. It worked for me, and perhaps it can work for many others as well. And I found that when I showed the film. Uh, I found that kind of a response from the audience. Yeah, I've I've been working with a film called His Neighbor Phil, which is a 90-minute film, and it's uh, you know shows the family dynamics and stuff. And and um, I'm bringing that around touring as well. But it's amazing what this medium um, media can do to kind of break the ice yeah. and get the conversation and get people to not just think about the disease but actually feel it. And, and I and I believe right. I believe it's the feeling that is the power to change. Um, That's right. When people feel the need, and I, I know with the with his oh, na- yeah. with his neighbor Phil, the first um, five to ten minutes, usually the audience can't even speak. They just they can't even speak um, right. because they are just so overwhelmed with emotion. And then I mm-hmm. I kind of do the filler, mm-hmm. and then we have this beautiful discussion yes. about. Oh, yeah. You know, do you, you know, have you experienced this? Have you seen this in your family or yourself mm-hmm. or a friend? And, and the stories that come out, and people want to tell their story. Oh, yeah. You know, and then to be oh, able yes. to laugh and cry in a mm-hmm. safe environment with, with others mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. removes that isolation of, I'm the only one dealing with this. And they realize, oh my God, I'm not alone. No, you know, not at all. There's others all. like me. And so. I just think the the whole film um, medium is just um, uh, just a wonderful way um, for people to, you know, kind of break the ice and and kind of crack that door open to their to their hearts. Now, sure. are you are you working on any other films regarding dementia? I will be. Yes, uh, the screenplay that I that I just finished um, basically is is about dementia. It's about uh, a 23 year old uh, daughter uh, who's a uh, actually after no, I shouldn't say 23 years. She's 53, and after 23 years of absence from her father, um, she's alerted that uh, he's in a hospital with dementia and he's dying from cancer as well. And so now she has to make a decision to uh, reconnect the mm-hmm. lost and damaged relationship that she had. She had a beautiful relationship with her father as a young girl, and things went wrong, and she left and has never saw him again for uh, 23 years. Now she has to go back, and she has to talk, try to make that connection again. 
film. And uh, uh, hopefully I can produce it and, and uh, get it out. Wow, that would, be, that would be incredible. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more films, um, you know, about, about dementia. And, um, you know, one of the things yeah. that, that I, <clears throat> I liked is, you know, Still Alice and the Glenn Campbell movie really helped mm-hmm. break the ice in terms of having the conversation. Oh, yeah. But yes. I, but yeah, I, I've read the book, saw the film. Uh, yes. Yeah, but I think you know, with both of those, they weren't kind of the typical families. Um, you know, Glenn Campbell was it was great music and it was fun to watch right. and right. and and see, but it wasn't everyone's life. And and it was still Alice. It was a great storyline. You know, fabulous actors and mm-hmm. stuff in it, mm-hmm. but um, still didn't hit some of those emotional cues. And yes. I and I think inside your being definitely does that, and um, I they think do. And the thing about it is is being able to first of all uh, raise the funds to produce something of that nature to do the film, and then have the marketing for the film to get out to the people mm-hmm. so that they can see something of this nature. And I know what I do deals a lot with emotions. Whatever I do, it always has an emotional impact in there. And I think it has a lot to say. There's no doubt about it. And I think inside my being has a tremendous amount uh, uh, of emotion, and it has, certainly does, and it has a lot to say regarding an Alzheimer's a patient, a person that has a debilitating mind, a debilitating disease, uh, such as Alzheimer's, has a lot to say. It's personal, but it has a lot to say. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing uh, with my other film has a, has a lot to say, but you've got to get it out. People have got to see it, and people have got to uh, feel from it. Um, once I'm a big believer that um, adding emotions, uh, true emotions, into a film, um, an audience will, will feel it. An audience will listen to, to, to that. They will listen to the emotion. They will feel the emotion. It has a tremendous power. So whatever I do uh, in, in the films that I've done, even the films that I produced in the past, uh, from uh, the HarperCollins books, Williams Dahl, The New Friend, written by Charlotte Zolito, um, they deal with emotions. Generations is one that I did and, and, and wrote, deals with emotions, uh, you know, uh, the, the gap between the old and the young. Uh, Snail and Friend deals with all uh, living things and, and, and being kind to all living things. deals with emotions. Emotions teach. Mm-hmm. Emotions make you feel. And when you feel, it stays with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that is the trigger. And I think yes. in so much, you know, with dementia, we, we come at it from a medical aspect or a technical aspect or a task um, aspect and we leave mm-hmm. the heart out of it and yes. and we're missing we're missing the core without the heart uh it, it's just such a critical piece to i think so you yeah, know i think you're right on when you say that to get oh, people back to the core of their relationships and why oh, yeah. why we even exist you know why we interact in the first place exactly. and um like i said i you know, for our audience listening, you've got to watch this film. It's on YouTube. It's um, it's exceptional. You can uh, just uh, Google it, Inside My Being, or you can click on the show page um, or on the blog page. And I'll, I'm going to put it back up on, on my home page of the website again. I had you it bet. up there for a little while because it is absolutely so powerful. 
it's a wonderful tool to be able to use with not only families but staff to learn um, you know what what people are missing and what their thought process is. You know we can help yeah. we can learn so much uh, by the insights of of one another and um, really really expand and help break through um, kind of the veil that exists uh, with this disease, not just with the patient. Um, you know, and those diagnosed, but those caring for them as well. Uh, it's just it's, it's just beautifully, beautifully done. I, I can't give you enough kudos for it. <laughs> no, thank you for that. Uh, well said. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be on the program uh, and speak about this most powerful uh, uh, story and, and, and to talk about the essence of the heart and the soul, that it is, it is there. <clears throat> Why do we have it? Mm-hmm. Sure, it keeps us alive, but you can touch and you can feel it under the right circumstances, especially when you think all is lost. The heart and the soul are still alive. They are, and they're so soothing, you know, and we, we give them up and release them sometimes, and, yeah. and then we just feel so, so lost, where if you, can, if you can recognize the simplicity and, and that you are still able to hold on, you are still able to connect. That's and, right. Um, and I, I believe you can connect, you know, even after they pass. I, That's I think, right. I think that connection right. is universal, and everyone believes different. And um, But I know I've had that with my mom, and it's just, and with my dad, it's just been a, a really beautiful piece to, to you know, because sometimes you just kind of get down in the dumps and you still want the advice of your parents or a loved one or something, and, you know, we can still have a conversation. Um, it might yeah. be it might be a little bit different, but we can still be soothed. Um, you know, by our relationship. And for some people, they might be relying on pieces of the past, and for others, it may be that they feel that there's an actual connection after they've passed. It, it doesn't make any difference. It it exists in whatever makes you feel comfortable. Um, and and you know, being able to at least explore it. You know, you have nothing to lose by exploring the simplicity of your relationships. That's what it's all about, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. anything else that you'd like to share with our audience, Roberto? <clears throat> well, only that uh, um, I, I want to continue on uh, in making the films that I've made uh, in the past with the, with the emotional impact. I, I tend to work with the... Uh, with the uh, Alzheimer's, uh, because of my sister, there, there's a lot that can be done with that. And I, like I said, I have one screenplay that is completed. I'm working on another one that also has, that, that involves Alzheimer's. And I would, uh, I just hope that I, I can continue to produce the films and get them out to the audience for them to see and have some hope um, in, in the various aspects that uh, Alzheimer's uh, presents. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much um, for your time with us today. What what contact information would you like our audience to have? If you know, maybe there's others out there that would like you to sure, come and share sure. your film. They and can speak they to can them. go to uh, www.facebook.com forward slash inside my being, and uh, if they want to contact me. Uh, talk about the film or anything that they have to say, they can reach me through that. 
and it also gives them a view of, of things that I've done in the past. So, uh, again, it's uh, www.facebook.com forward slash inside my being. And uh, they can reach me through that. Okay. Any comments that they may have. It's always good to hear from people once they see the film. I learn from that as well. Um, and, and it's good to have conversations with them regarding uh, Alzheimer's, regarding journeys, regarding what I went through, and even what they go through. So um, by all means, they can contact me, and we can go from there. Okay. Well, sounds like a plan. Again, um, people can also go to YouTube and um, find yes. find the film there as well. Right. Right. Um, have a box of tissues because you just might need one. It's, uh, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. It's very, very yeah. powerful. So, thank you so much. Well, Lord. thank you so much, Roberto, for, for spending time with us today. Really do appreciate it very, very much. The pleasure is mine, believe me. Thank you again. Thank you. Um, if you didn't catch our last show, you may want to check that out. We had Christine Grody with us, uh, an author of a new book called Where Memories Meet. And it uh, talks about her reclaiming her father after after Alzheimer's. And she, too took on a really different scenario in terms of her writing style. She did it in two narratives. One is her dad and one is her. And for her um, uh, and him, they kind of went in opposite directions in terms of remembering life. And uh, so that that's kind of an interesting uh, interesting uh, avenue that she did. But it's a, it's a, I think it's a great storyline and um, something that you'll be really interested in. Uh, prior to that, we had um, neuropsychologist on Sonia Mosh, uh, which was a, a really interesting show as well. And upcoming, we have author Lisa Skinner will be with us. Again, if any of you out there are interested in being on the show, we'd love to talk to you. Just shoot me an email at Lori at Alzheimer's Speaks, or you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com. Just click on the big gold button that says Contact Us, and uh, there are several different modes you can reach out to me. Um, on there. Let's see. If you didn't catch Dementia Chats this morning, the free webinar we do where our experts have dementia, um, I will be posting that either later tonight or tomorrow. Really interesting um, conversation about the holidays, what we can do differently to accommodate somebody with dementia. We also talked about illness and how that can affect them and the importance of um, organizations um, collaborating together. Our next Dementia Chats will be on December 22nd. And I think we're going to change to the Zoom format. It seems like that's a little easier access for people, so be watching for that information. There was also a blog post I did on December 6th called um, Late Life Making a Difference. And it is a collaboration with Alina Health, um, Life Course and TPT, and there they did this, uh, again, it's another brilliant film, but it highlights three amazing programs. One is called Care Guides, which I knew nothing about, which is really a cool, cool concept. The other one is called Thrivers, which is a, um, a support that, that is focused more on people with cancer, but I would love to see it adapted to those with dementia, and that it has to do with um, exercise and building energy and maintaining it. And then the third piece of that film, Late Life Making a Difference, is on memory cafes, which, of course, for any of you that know me, that is near and dear to my, to my heart. 
Um, before I uh, say goodbye, I just want to give a shout out to Apples to Apples. Um, if you haven't watched that show on Alive Inside, it's on Mondays at 2.30. And it is with um, Scott and Drew Applebaum, a father and son team. They talk and banter back and forth about sports, a lot of fun. Um, also, Mortgages and BS is on Alive and Social on Thursdays at 4 o'clock. You'll get um, local um, mortgage expert here in the Twin Cities, Tom Smith, uh, and radio personality um, BT or Brian Turner, and they discuss uh, just all the new products um, and um, about mortgages and refinancing and and just the process. You can learn a lot on that show. And then, of course, there'll be a mix and a splattering of just entertainment and current events as well. So check both of them out on Alive and, Live and Social. In the meantime, have a wonderful and safe holiday season. We'll talk soon. Bye now. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.